I'm gonna, like, put my ass in your ass, you piss douche nozzle. Do you like what I just said? That's that's a lot of rude words you threw out there, Jim. Yeah. What, what's wrong? I'm auditioning to be a dialogue writer at Gearbox, and I'm brushing up <laughs> on the Borderlands script. I actually thought I'd booted up Borderlands by accident. Exactly. I think it's really good. Ha, ha. I'll make some noises as well. I'll just go, ha, ha. Dude. Like asses, though. There we go. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, that was so beautiful on so many levels. I know it's really. Oh, what is that voice we hear? Oh, oh there's a voice here. Who? Who? What is? What is happening? Well, it's definitely not someone who worked on Borderlands because I didn't hear the word ass or douche once. <laughs> Yet, <laughs> I'm waiting for my first check to come through, and then oh, it's going to be douche ass all night long. It's also the name of my first album, so keep on. Oh, the, that could actually be a content update for Borderlands: douche ass all night long. <laughs> It's Ashens. Yeah, you're Ashens. That's who you are, mysterious voice. I bloody am as well. How are you doing, folks? How are you doing? We're doing good. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you, actually. Yeah, not bad at all. It, it, it's lovely to have you here. I hope that you are ready for the quality content that is Jim just shouting douche ass a lot for Top an notch. hour. Top <laughs> to notch. To be fair, that's far better than I'm used to on my channel, so... um. I'm going to put on a top hat and just go along with oh, it. Oh, yeah, we're, we're classing it up today. Classing it up today, folks. Ashens, pleasure to speak to you. This is the first time I think we've actually traded words for real that isn't text, but with mouths. That's true, actually, yes. Mm. My goodness. Um, we should say douche more. <laughs> we should. <laughs> douche, 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 douche. That's how we've that's how we've chosen to commemorate the event because I've been looking forward to this and I thought well I'll just say ass and douche and piss a lot that's he knows what I like exactly we keep a presentable front here we class it up we have a jolly good time lots of jolly japes and yes absolute pleasure to have you on thank you very much it is a pleasure to be on sir you do the YouTube thing you play with the toys I do and that's about it really <laughs> you eat the food. You play the toys and you eat the food. Eat the food. Occasionally we make the films, but that's expensive. So we play with the toys and eat the food a lot more often. Exactly. Play with the toys, eat the food. Uh, don't do it the other way around. And then make <laughs> yeah. a film. Yeah. Play, playing with the toys and eating the food sounds like what all three of us do with our day to day. I mean, in a way, yeah. <laughs> we just play with yeah. fancy toys and eat food. Yeah. So, some of us in varyingly, <laughs> varyingly different ratios. I eat a lot of boglins. <laughs> You've reminded me, I have a box of fake mini boglins to give you if we ever meet in person. Fake mini boglins? Oh, yeah. They're like <gasps> the boglins you like, but smaller and all wrong. Bootleg boglins? <laughs> I, I could not have so. imagined such a thing. Oh, that's amazing. I've got lots of boglins. I've heard these rumours. You feature them on your channel sometimes. I've seen when you open up the random boxes and then you sometimes get a mini boglin in there and I point at it and I say, I know that one and I know exactly which tribe to which that mini boglin belongs. <laughs> oh, God, they were all in tribes. They're all they? in different the, tribes. Yeah. Yeah, the tough guys, the, ugly, the freaks or the uglies or something. Um, yeah, I've got the biggest boggling collection in Mississippi. That is a hell of a claim to fame. I've got almost all of them. Certainly almost all the puppets now. Ah, oh, they were the coolest. Something worries me about the Boglin puppets. Do they age well or do they start to disintegrate? I have had comparatively few issues with old Boglins. The ones I've got, um, the ones I've got on display, 
um, which includes all the, the original three big ones and most of the medium-sized ones and some of the variants, like the hairy ones and stuff. Oh, yeah. They've all held up really well. Um, the biggest issue with them is dirt. Because they're so rubbery, they tend to get grimy. Uh, and that's noticeable on like the Halloween ones, where you got like these bright orange and this white skeletal boglin, and the dirt's obvious on them. But apart from that, they don't fall apart unless they've been mistreated. And I did get one that looked mouldy. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a mouldy boglin. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I need to burn it at some point. I've been planning <laughs> on holding a Viking funeral for it, but it it arrived mouldy. It didn't get mouldy on yeah. my watch. On my Boglin watch. I, I should jolly well hope not. That's good news. It always does worry me that these fantastic toys from the past are sometimes made out of something that just disintegrates into goop. Sure, yeah. I mean, like, from you get those ones that were like suction pack ones, like they had rubbery skin and you'd push or pull a thing oh. and it would all suck it in. And I've seen some of them go bad. I can never remember the name of those. Yeah, I, I did a video on those and all of them were knackered. Tried remaking a face with latex, it did not work. In any way, shape, or form, <laughs> they had some Stretch Armstrong toys like that as well. We talk, I think we talked about it on Pod, Pod Acquisition here a few weeks ago. The the Vac Pack, I think they were called. Yeah, yeah. They were Stretch Armstrong's enemies. Oh. They were they were something quite strange there. Yes, I know the what. Yes, take all the air out, and they stay mm. in a horrible twisted position, like a little Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. I, I'm very much enjoying Boglin chat, but apparently we're not on, on the Boglin show today. It's Bogwisition. Oh. Hooray. It should be called Bogwisition. <laughs> but, uh, we occasionally do video games and stuff of that nature. Sometimes under duress. You know, when, when, when I force everyone to, you know, being a harsh taskmistress. Um, who's done played a video game this week that they have thoughts on and that? I, I have done played a video game. What, what, what video game you been playing? I, I've played three of the video games. <gasps> three of them? Oh. oh, A very hefty week, all at once, and I don't understand any of them. I'm not doing that again. No, um, I've mostly been playing... God, it's like the fast shows at this week. I have been mostly playing... <laughs> Fate Hunters. I, I don't know what this is, but it sounds like one of those Facebook games. It does, but it's it's a, it's at least one level above that. It's a, <laughs> quite a simple deck building game on Steam, and I do love me a deck building game. Perhaps mm. a little bit too much. It feels like something that would work better on a phone or tablet, frankly, but it's on Steam because mm. that's a much easier release proposition for indie games, isn't it? Um, and yeah, I got horribly addicted to it. And in between yeah. every piece of work, I was having another game of uh, Fate Hunters. So when you say it's a deck builder, is this like unlock more cards to build decks from? Or is this deck builder in the sense of like closed ecosystem of cards? Oh, closed ecosystem. I only play closed ecosystem. I don't... If Okay, yeah. No, I hate games where you have to, you know, get in other things. Especially if it's against somebody else. I don't want to play a game where who the winner is likely to be the person with the most disposable income to spend on the bloody cards, yeah. I, I, I'm someone who once upon a time played tournament-level trading card games, and Ooh. I still think that they're terrible, terrible <laughs> things that no one should ever do. You have first-hand experience. I, I do enjoy a good um, closed ecosystem deck builder. Well, anything else, and you've not won the card game, you've won capitalism. <laughs> you could just cut out the middleman and just print out your bank statement, sit at a table, and... <laughs> yes. Top Trump's income. I'm not winning any trading card games that <laughs> yeah, way. <laughs> We're in the wrong industry for that, I think. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, what what are you? Is is it just build a deck, 
do a, a fight against someone else? Or are you sort of building up the deck as you go through? Like, what, what kind of a deck builder? And nearly all built up as you go along. So you have a few starting cards, several of which are crap or punch, yeah. as they call it, which does like one damage and is naff. So you want to try and get rid of those. And it's all it's the classic thing of, do you take this card, which is quite powerful, or but are you then going to dilute your deck and the good cards aren't going to come around enough, etc, etc. Uh, is, is it the sort of, like, you have buying power and you're using that to, to put extra cards in the deck as you go kind of thing? It's far more randomised. It's all done with loot. After um, you defeat what you basically go through a series of rooms, and when you defeat whatever monsters are in the room, you will get certain cards as loot, which you can either take or skip. And every you go up experience levels as well, which is the big important thing, where because you get the best sort of skills by doing that. And then there's various other things you can do after a boss, and there's some special characters and things. But it's it's very simple um, and just really sort of compulsive. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah. I, I I enjoy the mechanics of building decks of stuff. Like I I quite enjoy a lot of um like tabletop deck building games. Like uh there's one that I really enjoy that's called Clank, which is a sort of deck builder, but you also have a physical board to navigate around that's really fun. Oh, I have heard of this. Yes, I've heard very good things in fact. Yeah. Like I, I enjoy I enjoy the mechanic of just trying to work out what will make a good deck. Again, without any of that nonsense of having to, you know, buy a bunch of shit to put in it so i'm always up for trying something like that like it what's the length of the matches like like is it a you know jump in for a nice short game sort of thing or you could yeah you can have a game in about somewhere between 20 30 35 minutes maybe hitting sort of 40 if you get right through to the end of the game and complete it but that is a task yeah, that's that's not too bad. That's an interesting sounding little thing. Yeah, I strongly recommend. I don't think it was that expensive either. Although now I can't remember, so it may be a billion to million pounds. As is often the way with these things. <laughs> things, yeah. Uh, other stuff that we've been playing. Um, I've been playing a really nice little game today that's really simple. It's called Kind Words. I think the full title is Kind Words brackets lo-fi chill beats to write to and it's a little steam game for about four quid and the whole point is you put out your problems anonymously into this community you write a you know a little letter that might be something like um my friend's a bit mad at me and i don't know what to do about it and then just people will write nice supportive helpful things back and just like hey i know you're going through a rough time but here's a nice little letter is that is that what you're like? You're bespoke writing it, and then other people are doing it, or is it like all in game, like pre-programmed? You you bespoke write a thing that you have on your mind that you want some reassuring words about, and real people in the world oh, will wow. see that randomized letter and just write nice responses to it and try and make you feel a bit better. And it's anonymous, right? So if I if I go on there and and say I killed a man, um, <laughs> um, then no one well... can trace it back to me, right? And no one will know what I did. <laughs> um, I can't attest for your ability to confess to murders on there. Um, <laughs> I, I I did a bad murder. Now I feel bad. Make me feel good that the man yeah. is dead. Exactly. Yeah. So here's here's what I'm gonna say. Like this is a game on Steam that is about being nice to each other and being nice to other actual human beings and. That sounds like a thing that would go very wrong and where not, it would go terrible real fast. 
I don't know how long it's going to last, but right now it's real lovely. Yeah, I think it, it'll get less lovely the more people hear about it and the more, you know, people use it to confess their crimes. Yeah. Don't do that, by the way. Like, if you've done a murder, don't use kind words to confess it. I mean, if you've done a murder, like, you know, I understand free speech, First Amendment and all that, but don't use kind words because it's a, a, a reportedly a lovely game. It's not the place for murder confessions. Yeah. That's for Netflix specials. It's developed by somebody called um, Pop Cannibal Ooh. as well. So I don't know what they're confessing to, but uh, it's a bit of a worry. Yeah. No, there's something to do with the body if you want to hide the evidence. So, yeah. Cannibalise it or pop it. <laughs> this is the ultimate message of kind words is how to dispose of corpses. <laughs> Goodness. I'm sorry, Laura. I feel like I've ruined the fun game. <laughs> no, no, like, here's the thing. I honestly suspect this game is going to devolve into this kind of nonsense. And But, like, they've got a reporting system. So if someone's, like, doing this kind of nonsense, as far as I understand it, their Steam account will just get blocked from the game and it's, like, four quid. So, like... I don't know if people are going to spend four quid a pop to get one nasty message in, get banned, and then have to buy it again. Yeah. Mm. But, like, it's... Right now, it's real lovely. Like, I've just... I'm just opening it up, like, completely blank. Um, And there's some little paper airplanes flying through the air that will just have assorted nice messages that people have written. Uh, I will give you one of those when it flies by and let you know about it. But it's just nice background music. Someone's just sent sent a a little paper airplane that just goes... Hey, you might not feel like you're doing enough, but you're being productive enough. You're great. Just, just keep going. You're lovely. Oh, they're like, they're like what some of my friends share on Facebook. Just like a drawing of a ghost saying, "I believe in you." <laughs> it's kind of like that, but what if like that was just some chill background music while you wrote, and occasionally you're like, "I just feel like a nice aspirational thing." I'm gonna click on a a thing. Ah, that that's something nice. That's the subtitle, isn't it? Chill beats while you write. I mean, that's that's yeah. the other question I've got on my mind is how chill are the beats and how fresh are they? <laughs> Those beats are real chill, and the, there's this nice background of stars that is like a little visualizer to the chill music. It's real good and chill. It actually sounds. Uh, you've piqued my curiosity. I may actually look at it. Yeah, it's. It's, it's got the vibe of, like, have you ever tuned into those YouTube channels where it's, like, the girl typing at a computer and chill music playing? Mm-hmm. It's one of those. It's one of those, but just people saying nice, supportive things to each other. Oh, good. Good, good, for, the, good for the kind words yeah. and the chill beats. It, it, it is nicer than it should be, and check out kind words before it gets bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, it's, it's not quite a game. It's more of an email client. It's it's kind of an anonymized email client type thing, yeah. Interesting. It's 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 not even a yeah. It's not a game in the traditional sense. Like you can collect little things to put in your room in this game, but like, it's just somewhere to put out your anonymous feelings and have people make you feel better, and be nice to each other. And social media is shitty, and sometimes yeah. you just need a nice place to talk to people. I mean, as somebody who lives in a world of YouTube comments, that sounds remarkably yeah. nice. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what about you? What about you, Jim? What have you been playing this week? Oh, um, well, obviously, I think it's, it's pretty clear from the beginning that I played some Borderlands 3. Um, but I'll get to that later. Um, I What I'm about to say is purely... We've done this before. What I'm about to say is purely based on the preview build. Oh, yes. The preview build, yes. Def- I can, I'll only talk about this in preview terms. 
All right, so don't get me on that. You, you are previewing a thing that you played a preview build of in the past at some point at an event that there was a preview build, perhaps. Here is my preview build. The same one you did, Laura. Here is my preview. Yeah, that same one what I did, and definitely not any other build of the game. Here's my preview of the Surge 2. Oh, it's <gasps> all right, innit? Pretty much everything you said, Laura, is uh, bang on the money with that. What was it? A couple of months ago I previewed this, and we've, we've talked about it before. The original The Surge interesting idea for a souls type game but like it's made by focus home interactive their stuff is just weird and janky in and tough to love the surge 2 was like increased the pace of that game it feels a lot more fluid it it just feels like it feels like the assassin's creed 2 of this series where they were like we had a good idea let's polish it up the second time round and make it good and unlike Ooh. assassin's creed 2 the surge 2 is good Exactly. <laughs> Ooh, controversial. Uh, that was that was one of my earlier controversies in terms of <laughs> reviews was the old Assassin's Creed. So there, mm. I've got a friend who still hasn't forgiven me for it, still just <laughs> randomly yells 4.5 at me. That's um, what I deserved. But yeah, like I, I was a little cheeky in the beginning of talking about this, but I will, just to be fair, I will only talk about it in preview terms. I'll only talk about very, very early stuff. Um, very much like, you know, what... Just echoing what Laura's said so far, um, there is a, an immediacy and a responsiveness to it that gives it a sense of flow that I did not pick up in the original Surge. Yeah. Something about this just feels so good. It it just has a much tighter um, flow to the repetition of doing attempts to get further and further in. Like, that whole gameplay loop that makes games like Dark Souls engaging where... Everything just feels right, and you're sort of pushing just a little bit further ahead every time. It really nails that core, that core really, really well. Yeah, and aesthetically, it is it is so much better. Oh yeah, the the variety and the color, and it, it looks very much like its own thing. Mm. And Deck Thirteen, you know, they've tried they've tried to nail a Souls like game with the original Surge and Lords of the Fallen, and this this nailed it. Specifically because it's not just trying to copy Dark Souls. It's its own thing. Yeah, like, I feel like they've realised a lot of those things they were trying to do a lot better now. So things like um, that dismembering limbs to get parts to build your armour system just makes a lot more sense this time round. Yeah, and it flows so well in the combat. Like, oh, yeah. you're pressing to hold the dismemberment button while you're attacking and you watch the the meter build while you're doing your attacks and then it just transitions into it beautifully this is everything i hoped the surge would be and i i've not played beyond about five hours into it from that preview build but like everything i played seemed real interesting yeah and so i won't say more than that because i will only just base this purely on you know preview uh, content yeah um, but yeah like pretty much everything you've said rings true i'm glad to hear that you're feeling that way as well because like i worried a little bit when i previewed it and i was like this feels better maybe i'm just going mad and like actually it's still shit and i just haven't realized it or something it's very encouraging very promising as someone who really wanted to love the surge but just sort of mm. lost interest in it. And someone who wanted to really like Lords of the Fallen, which was a, yeah. a decent enough game. It was it was good. I didn't hate it as much as some people did, but it was still just missing something, and it missed its own sense of identity, which is what The Surge 2 has. 
both of those first two attempts at making a Souls-type game, I just kind of fell off them halfway through because they were kind of repetitive and drab and clunky and, like, not terrible, but just not great enough to keep my attention. This sounds super interesting. So I bought a copy of The Surge 1 about two years ago because it was, like, £5 new on Xbox One. Mm. And yeah. then got worried that it was five pounds new and hadn't been out very long, and then kind of never got round to it. And now it sounds like I never will get round to it, and I'll just play the second. O- honestly, yeah, like there is a reason that game is a fiver brand new. Mm. It's worth it for a fiver. I'll say that much. Oh yeah, for a fiver you'll get some fun out of it. Like it's it's not a bad game for a fiver, but it's not a game I would see through to the end. Whereas the Surge Two, I'm like I would play this start to finish. I think. Yeah, there's just there's there's such a heightened sense of personality to it that the first one didn't have. That it's yeah, it's 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 not only got a real nice flow to it. It's got charisma, and that's what I like to see uh, in a video game. I like to see some charisma. It's got a bit of personality, which is uh, always nice. So, assuming I want a Dark Souls-like experience, but pretending I haven't played any of the sort of uh, games of that ilk other than Dark Souls itself and Bloodborne and Sekiro, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the best one? What is the top of the pile of those? Oh. In what? In terms in terms of, like, 3D ones like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, taking out Salt and Sanctuary and Blasphemous and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll get to Blasphemous in a second. Um... There's not really been many good ones outside of Frost. That, that was kind of my impression, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Like, there's probably one I'm forgetting completely. Yeah. But in terms of, like, just aping Dark Souls, uh, I, I immediately think of, of Lords of the Fallen, like I just said, which mm. is not a great game. The examples I think of are not great and are generally, like... I, I think of stuff like the original Surge, where I'm like, interesting idea, it wasn't great, but... Honestly, like the 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 Surge Two right now is the best recommendation I can make for a not from soft one of those. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm having a quick look uh, at what's what's categorised on Steam as Souls like to see if we've forgotten something. The only thing I've ever been recommended really is uh, Ashen, but the stupid name puts me off. <laughs> Ashen actually is yes, actually. Yeah. Despite its absurd name. It, just dis- it makes me sick just hearing it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Ashen is very interesting. It's got a, an art style, the, um, what's the word? An, an acquired taste um, with its sort of minimalist visuals. But I really enjoyed that one. It was another one I need to finish. I know they've, they're bringing it to Switch or it's already on Switch. That's a oh. good excuse to pick it up again. Yeah, I haven't bought it yet. I probably will hold out for the Switch version, actually. We're all we're all slaves to the uh, to the Switch thing of like oh I'll play it if it's back on Switch. Yeah, it's just so easy. I can play it on the train, etc. You oh, know. I know. I oh, I I keep picking up Switch games I don't need because they're on Switch. <laughs> oh. uh, so yeah, while we're on that, should we talk about Blasphemous? Mm. Neo is another really good. That's actually one of the best, probably the best I've ever played. I'm, I don't think I've heard of that. That's the best not Dark Souls game. Tecmo Koei did it. N-I-O-H, Neo. It was one of my games of the year. Oh, sorry, yes. I can't believe I almost forgot it. Yeah, I I occasionally have that moment where I hear, I'm like, what, The Matrix? What are we talking about, Neo? (laughs) Yes, yes, I did the same thing, yeah. (laughs) 
And then there's Dead Cells, which isn't 3D, it's another side-scroller, um, and has a lot more roguelike to it. Yeah, it's in that blasphemous sort of category of 2D sort of soulsy. Dead Cells is exquisite. Oh, Dead Cells is fantastic. Is that that's out on the Switch now as well, isn't it? I think I've seen it at retail, yeah. That is out on mm-hmm. Switch, and the Switch port is real good. Really Ooh. great, yeah, that's what I played it on. And, and I had no problems whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are really the ones to, to look at. Certainly Neo um, would be the top pick. Uh, and f- from the looks of it, from where it's going, the Surge 2 is going to be high up there. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, I heard the word Blasphemous. Yeah, how, how are you getting on with Blasphemous? So yeah, I've been playing a bit of Blasphemous and I've been thoroughly enjoying it. I'm not much of a platform game man, but I do like a good Castlevania and Castlevania type. And this has a real Castlevania meets Dark Souls on the way to a very fucking weird party. And I'm, yeah, enjoying all of it, actually. It's got a nice feel to it. It's got a really weird setting, which I uh, is a bit different, and I'm thoroughly enjoying. Uh, yeah, it's just like a proper class act, thus far, at least. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've, I've started playing it last week, uh, since last week when Jim was recommending it, and... Yeah, it's it's a real good little game. It is scratching that Dead Cells-ish itch in me of like, I want a good, just nice side-scrolly, that, that kind of a difficult platformy combat-y game. It's just, and it's beautiful as well. Like It's got a real moody atmosphere to it. It's got that sort of Spanish religious visual, uh, visuals. Um, and the the animations, they're luxury animations. That's luxury grade. <laughs> that Street Fighter 3 level, it's lovely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely sublime. Um, still, still giddy that I made the developer cry, um, and for once it wasn't a bad thing. You weren't just shouting douche at him to be. I wasn't cried. just shouting douche ass. No, uh, <laughs> they 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 were made up with the fact that I liked it, and I do. I mean, I love it. It's it's in, immensely enjoyable, and you've got to go into it like knowing it's going to be a more ponderous affair than something like Dead Cells. Um, I've seen some complaints from some people I know who are like, they found it a little too stodgy, a little too finicky, and I'm like, I think it's just a mindset thing. Yeah, I quite enjoy that myself. Yeah, I like the methodical nature of it. If it's done well, then it's done well. Yeah, like, I, I know I keep jumping to the Dead Cells comparison, and like, it, 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 as many similarities as they have in terms of the kind of game they are, like, you have to play them very differently. Like, it's... This is a much more patient game as opposed to throw stuff at the problem, hang back, jump into the fray of all the chaos. It's it's not quite that kind of pace to how you play through it. It's that kind of thing where they're different sides of the same coin. You know, fundamentally, there are many similarities with Dead Cells and Blasphemous, but one of them is a, a slower paced, more methodical game about noticing enemy patterns and the other one is running and and hitting things as hard and fast as possible and both of them are great like i adore dead cells and i love the hell out of blasphemous i'm really glad that i get to enjoy both of them and have them both be really similar but also wildly different yeah one of my favorite things about blasphemous is it has little cutscenes occasionally and there's some of the few video game cutscenes I've ever encountered that didn't make me bash all the buttons to get rid of the bloody things. So um, <laughs> it gets a million points for that. <laughs> yeah, they're beautiful as well, and they, they, they just re- really reinforce the, the whole idea of that game of penitence and punishment and whips and flagellation and misery and all the fun bits of religion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
other stuff I've been playing this week. Um, I'm still playing more of that Astral Chain. Um, I finished the story mode of that game, and I maintain it's one of my favourite Platinum games in terms of like the the combat mechanics and the gameplay. The story is pants. Um, but I'm about 40 missions deep into the 70 mission post game, and I'm starting oh. to finally hit a bit of difficulty with uh, struggle, hitting a bit of a difficulty wall with the missions and having to learn to play a little bit more smartly than I have been. But I am still really engrossed in in this game's combat system. Like there is a lot more depth to it than I just keep finding new things I can do in this game mechanically that have just got me really gripped. It's been a while since I've been this invested in a combat system in a game. Good. I mean, that that is Platinum's forte. Yeah, it's... It is very, very enjoyable to control your multitude of, of beasts on a string. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm very behind with Platinum games. I always enjoy them when I play them. Yeah. I only just got um, Transformers for the PS4, which looks amazing. For I me. replayed a little bit of that, the, uh, I think, last week or the week before last. Yeah. It's it's a really good game. Yeah, like they've they've had a cup like they've occasionally here and there had a couple of tie-in licensed games that weren't great. Like the Legend of Korra one wasn't great, the Turtle ones wasn't wasn't great. The Turtles one was awful. I didn't even know there was a Legend of Korra one. That one completely passed me by. Yeah, there was a, there was a platinum Legend of Korra game and it was not good. <laughs> um oh. but like generally I I'm I'm rarely disappointed by platinum. They know how to make a good fighty game. Yeah, no, I, they did clever things with the uh, with the Transformers one, like taking the the whole idea of dodging, which of course is really important in a, a platinum game, and actually incorporating the idea of transforming into it. So you're dodging, turning into a car, and then steering into the enemy's head with it, and then turning right back into the robot. There was this, they they merged the idea of you know the the fluid way a platinum game feels with transforming in a unique way rather than just have you are a car now you drive around you are a robot now you do punching um they combined the two really elegantly it's clever stuff isn't it it's always like that when you can get the core of what the property or the idea is about into the gameplay and not just sort of you know tack it on oh that button will change it and you will look different you know, actually yeah. does something that flows with the game and tells tells the story through gameplay. There we are. That's that's a clever thing I said once. Honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, other other bits this week, Jim. You, you opened with it. How's that Borderlands Three? I opened with the ass douche. <laughs> you opened with the ass douche. How was the ass douche? A pulled opening. Pulled, pulled open. Pop, popped a right gaper, <laughs> and played some Borderlands Three, which is. Fine, it's it's all right. It's a Borderlands game. Um, more guns, more loot. Um, you can do a little slidey. Shoot lots of things. Numbers flash around all over the place. Everything's very elaborate. You can grab ledges now. How exciting! Um, it's got all. It's basically all the same pros and cons of the others. You know, it's satisfying to do lots of shooting. It's very rewarding in terms of just giving you stuff. Um, there's constant upgrades to guns, constant things to unlock cosmetically. Um, but it's also got the other issues of the fact that and I've felt it with Borderlands 3 more than any other. Um, the the humour in Borderlands has always been polarising. And I'm one of those people who actually found Borderlands 2 fairly amusing in places. Mm. But Borderlands 3, I found, when it's at its worst, it's insufferable. This, this is what's turned me off trying it, because, like... 
I really enjoyed some of Borderlands 2's humours in places. Like, the, the thing I always think back to is that Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep DLC. Like, that is Borderlands at its best to me. Like, that, the humour in that was spot on what I was looking for out of Borderlands. And it just sounds like they've run out of ideas with this one. They ramped up the obnoxiousness because they, they yeah. seem to think that, like, dickheads are funny. And dickheads can be funny, but not if every other character is a dickhead. Here's, here's the thing that, like, I, I saw someone mention this on Twitter and I was like, oh, this this seems to be really indicative of the style of humour that 3's gone for. If you stick around on the uh, the, the menu screen, uh, the sort of splash screen at the start, Pickle Rick will roll out from under a van. <sighs> from the, the show about the rude the rude science man. Oh. The rude science man and friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's that level. It's I'll, I'll say this. I didn't say it on the, in the video because I didn't want to upset YouTubers. Uh, YouTube commenters, I should say. It's a very white game <laughs> in terms of its humour. Yeah. It's a very white middle-aged man type of humour. Yeah. Um, it's, you know... Jokes about memes from 10 years ago, like, oh, amber lamps, do you remember that? Do you remember the uh, the topical amber lamps joke? Uh, and seriously? Just, no, I mean, no, yeah, yeah. you've got to be kidding. Yeah, there's an enemy type just called amber lamps, and that's the that's the sum total oh, of the joke. no. There was one, t I can't remember what it was today, but it was another one where it's like, they're referencing something from 10 years ago. And you could even get away with that if you did it with a sense of self-awareness. But this game is blissfully unaware of how dated its jokes are. It's just because oh. they're not accompanied by anything. There's no modifier that would show its tongue-in-cheek in any way. It's straight. It's just straight-faced in its, yeah. here is a thing we are. We're not even going to make a joke about it. We're just going to say the thing that you remember. Yeah. You, you know, Borderlands has always been one of those series that I've been, like, it's always felt like it hasn't quite lived up to the promise of how funny its setup and characters and world could be. Because, like, there were parts of Borderlands 2 where they really nailed it. Um, I think Tales from the Borderlands, that Telltale game, like... That was great. That should, have been, that should have been a template for the comedy for the Borderlands series going forward. Like, that's how you make this, this world interesting and funny. They didn't fucking learn anything from that. Yeah, I mean, the thing... The thing that really hammered home the, the issue with the writing to me was with with the game's villains, Borderlands 3's villains. Now, they're assholes. Of course they are. They're, they're the villains. One, one generally assumes they're assholes and they act. They're arrogant, they're cocky, they're self-satisfied, they make fun of you. But they're no worse than half of your allies in the game. Yeah. So they're completely diluted. If you're seeing the villains being obnoxious and, and making you want to punch them in the face... Well, that's, you know, Claptrap or Tannis or, or any number of like NPC quest givers you meet along the way. They're all obnoxious. <laughs> so I see these villains and the only thing that really differentiates them in general, apart from some, you know, some of the things they do, in terms of personality, there is no differentiator. They're just more assholes in a universe of assholes. And that's the depressing thing about Borderlands' whole universe, is this game, you get more planets, which is more of an aesthetic thing. They behave all the same. But every planet is populated by jackasses. You understand it on Pandora, this sort of almost post-apocalyptic Mad Maxi-inspired world 
where all that were left behind were bandits and people shattered by the, the corporation wars or what have you. Okay, that's a crapsack world. Then you go onto the other planets and it's also just full of the same jackasses. And I'm like, oh, this galaxy's not worth saving. I want it to implode. So it's universe of douchasses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what they should have called it. Yeah. What 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 is there what is there to fight for in a universe of douche douche asses? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as great philosophers have wondered. Indeed. The one saving grace is the uh, the, the thing most people are fighting for is just to get more guns to do more fighting. It's yeah. you know, the acquisition of power for power's sake, and that's fine. As in that regard, Borderlands 3 is as good as the others. Uh, plenty of guns, plenty of gimmicks with these guns. You know, some guns you throw, uh, you reload them by throwing one away and spawning a new version, and then the one you threw away grows little legs and runs around and stuff like that. And that's all cool. Yeah. Um, and one thing I said on Twitter this morning uh, is it does put to shame a lot of other mainstream games because I'm playing... And especially as the further I get in, I get rewarded with more stuff. And mixed in among the loot, as well as ones you can buy with an in-game currency, and it is in-game at least right now, as well as the cosmetic items you can buy, amongst the loot drops, there will be skins that drop for your guns and new heads for your character, new helmets or what have you, new cosmetics. And it's just mixed in, and it feels really special. You're like, oh, shit, I unlocked a new head for my character. That's cool. I'll go and immediately when I'm done fighting, I'll spawn back to home base and try it on, see what it looks like. It's a terrible world in which that is a, a exciting thing. Exactly. Um, well, it used to be. It was. It's always exciting, but now it's anomalous. Yeah. And and it just it highlights perfectly how withholding many mainstream games have become. That's the word for it. Withholding. Mm. They have chosen publishers and developers at their behest have willfully chosen to make their games less rewarding and fun experiences. And Borderlands 3 hammers it home because that part of the experience is so rewarding and fun. It's cool to unlock new cosmetics. And when I see people wearing, like, when I when I uh, meet other players in the game, when I do co-op, they all look different. And you know it's not because they just spent money to get the same cool shit everyone else got. They found stuff. Or they did buy it using uh, the Iridium that's in the game. Um, but everyone looks more varied as a result. Uh, you can change colours on all of your gear. So everyone is expressing themselves differently. And you just don't get that with so many games now. And that's part of the reason, one of several reasons, why the It's Cosmetic excuse for microtransactions doesn't wash with me. Because here in Borderlands 3, you can play it and feel how much more satisfying it is to find a cosmetic than to buy one with your own money. Is there any DLC or type stuff in it? There's going to be from what I've heard. Um, They'll probably be selling some skins. But right now, there are skins you can buy um, with Iridium, which is a rare currency in the game, but it's not a micro... It's not a virtual currency they're selling right now. Uh, And it's quite generously portioned out. Um, And if it stays like that, that's great because there are a bunch of cosmetics on sale for each uh, character. So whatever class you play as, you've got your own set of helmets and skins and stuff. Um, And in general, you're not going to want to buy them all. And you can buy whatever one you like the look of the most within a couple hours, if that, probably sooner. Uh, And then... There's plenty else that you'll just find as you play. 
you'll just find a new helmet or a new trinket to hang off your gun. Um, so it's really nice, balanced, portioned out content. And that's on top of the fact that, you know, enemies regularly explode in showers of new guns and there are chests everywhere. And they do that shift code thing, which I actually quite like, where Gearbox on social media or whatever will just throw a code out. And if you're a member of their shift website thing, you can just pop that code in the game and get a key to unlock a chest with random stuff in it. So it is like a loot box, but you're not actually paying anything. Well, see, that's the thing is, I'm not opposed Mm. to the idea of loot box type things when they're not a thing I have to pay for. Like, I, uh, what was that, that, that game? The, um, the Yoshi's Crafted World, where, like, I occasionally got to pop a coin in a virtual machine and, like, unlock a little Absolutely. cardboard train for my Yoshi to wear. Like, <laughs> it's, f- it's fun and compelling, which, of course, is why publishers know they can make money doing it. But when you play a game that does it just as part of the game, as part of the experience, yeah. you can see how fun it is, and you can see how... Other video games have deliberately withheld that fun to sell it back to you at a premium. Yes. I, I wish more games would let me just randomly unlock little bits of outfits for things, because it makes me very happy. Indeed. So in that regard, while most while Borderlands is Borderlands 3 is mostly more Borderlands, and that's not a bad thing. It's it's fine. It's not good or bad enough to make up for the shit show of publicity that the the game had in its lead up. It had to either have been in, like spectacularly good or hilariously bad to live up to the nightmare that was this game's hype. Yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. But in that one regard, in terms of rewarding the player, yeah. it, it, it's a reminder of what we've lost in terms of mainstream game content. It is a, a bittersweet reminder of what's been taken away and sold back at a premium. Indeed. Now, I've never played a Borderlands game, partly because, frankly, it looks like the sort of thing I'd get a bit addicted to, and I'm scared mm. of losing a lot of time to it, frankly. But say I was about to play one, where, where would you recommend to start? Um, Maybe Borderlands 2. That's got the best writing, and um, Handsome Jack is sort of the iconic villain. Borderlands 3, story-wise, is now just a bit too steeped in its own self-references. Yeah. Mm. Like, here's the thing. The original Borderlands, like... It, there's a fun game in there, but it's kind of buried. Like, the opening hours of the first game do not entice you to think, like, this is something I should stick with. Uh, Borderlands 2 is a lot better at, like, getting you invested, setting up, like, the big villain that's probably, like, the main villain for the Borderlands series. And, yeah, it's got the best the best humour to it, I think. It's, it's, the, it's a very strong place to jump into that series. Yeah. Like Borderlands 3, you will get just as much fun out of it mechanically. But if you if you try and track the story, I feel like it might be just a bit too dense now. Into, not, not that it's got, you know, impressive lore or anything. It's sort of, like I say, it's all obnoxiously written. But you'll, be, you'll end up wondering, like, who are these characters and why should I care about them? All you really need to know about Borderlands 2 is there's a big, big Mad Max planet with a bunch of people looking for these vaults full of big unimaginable treasures. And there is some, there's a company on the moon that wants to own everything. And that's about it. That's about it, yeah. Hmm. I can understand that, I feel. Yeah. yeah. The rest of it is sort of divulged through gameplay. And Borderlands 3 just... I, I, I think you could easily play it and, and enjoy it. But I, I feel like the, the plot might end up not necessarily confusing, just more... 
irritating and that it assumes you know who everyone is. Mm. I'm pleased with this answer because if you'd said Borderlands 3, Borderlands 3 is quite expensive, whereas you can get Borderlands 2 quite cheap. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, Indeed. Yeah, that's an excellent answer. Thank you. <laughs> um, action, you got one more game on, on that list that is a, a game what you've played. I do indeed. It's tie-in with UK uh, energy supply company EDF5. <laughs> because I completed N-Power and found the ending overwhelming. Um, yeah, so I've uh, dialed it back a bit to EDF. And EDF's a funny thing because it, it feels like distilled video games on a broken engine is the only way I can describe it. It's sort of everything I remember from video games from the early days with lots of weird, slightly janky shit core to it. And I kind of... I mean, I've, been, I've played extensively a lot of the versions in the past it still kind of feels like i'm playing the same game it never alters that much oh yeah they never they see no need to change that formula and i I do respect that in a way (laughs) this is absolutely true and i didn't play that much of a 4.1 shadow of new despair potato harvest monkey throttle or whatever it was called so it's quite nice (laughs) to go into the sort of next one and shoot lots of things that they still refuse to refer to as ants and spiders. That's one of the weird things in the game, where none of the characters will refer to the ants as ants. They're always monsters. Some kind of giant insect! It's like nobody has ever seen an ant in that world. Oh yeah, they, they, it's, I, I forget which one I played the last, the last time I played one, but it was every other line. It was, you must defeat giant insects. And it's not <laughs> the giant insect. It's more vague than that. It's just giant insects. As, as a philosophy, you must destroy giant insects. <laughs> not now, not later. Not a specific number. We're being attacked by giant insects. You must destroy giant insects. You, you must just destroy giant insects. Failing to destroy giant insects is not something that we're going to allow. Yeah. Uh, failing to destroy giant insects would not be to your best benefit. <laughs> Please read my pamphlet on the subject, which again does not contain the word ant. Yeah. But, oh, no, there's, there's just something weirdly compulsive and fun about it, even though some of the missions are shit. And a lot of the weapons you pick up are absolutely useless and seem to be designed that way. Whenever I think of of Earth Defense Force, I it makes me think of uh, what is it, the Dynasty Warriors games, in that for the longest time they were kind of just the same thing, lots and lots of times released, and they were always fun. They were just kind of that same bash all the bash all the things repackaged more times than I can count, and I enjoy them. Now I want a licensed spin-off VDF. Oh my god. A Loose Women spin-off or something, I don't know. Um, I haven't thought that one through. That probably wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, I think that would fall apart when, when people yell every other line, you must defeat Loose Women. Yeah. That's, that's the, well, no, they would never refer to them as Loose Women. Oh yeah, yeah. You must defeat females. You must females. defeat giant ladies. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good uh, license that would actually work with EDF. Not Poirot. Um, <laughs> casualty, maybe? Um, no, I'll have to come back to that. I think the problem is, is anything you suggest, I will just imagine that world being attacked by giant insects. <laughs> so I'm now imagining Casualty, which, of course, being my only frame of reference, is Casualty in the 90s. So you've got characters like Charlie, and, and these characters that haven't been in, in it in decades, being attacked by massive ants. 
And eventually they're saved by uh, DLC where you can download Tosh from the bill who's a super weapon. (laughs) I would pay good money to see Tosh punch a giant ant in the head. He's like the giant mech. It's just a giant Tosh. (laughs) He's he's the one character who's inexplicably larger than everyone else. Oh, yeah. He can fire his moustache off and explodes like a nuclear bomb. And regenerates, obviously, because you couldn't see Tosh without his moustache. No, of course, of course. Um, so other other things this week that happened. Um, you know how E three is a thing in video games Mm. that is has not been having a good time recently. Oh, Oh, that's because the ESA leaked the personal private information of thousands of attendees. I've never mentioned that before. Yeah. (laughs) Still can't quite get over this. It's astonishing. That is a thing that happened. They leaked multiple years' worth of press information. Every uh, time E3 or the ESA is brought up, I will always mention it now, especially since they did not adequately apologise or handle it. No, they have done nothing to help those people that they affected. But... Even before that, like, E3 has been shifting away from being a press and media thing for a while. Like, we saw the introduction of public being able to buy access to it and steadily increasing numbers of the public there. And there has been a report this week that apparently E3 2020 is looking to uh, considerably rebrand itself and shift away from being an event for press. Unsurprising, because press don't fucking want to go after your docs. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so apparently they're considering rebranding it as a fan, media and influencer festival. Jesus. There's a 2019 name. So like VidCon, except they tell everyone where you live. Brilliant. Yeah. So here's the bullet points you need to know about this alleged new direction for E3. There's going to be an additional 10,000 public attendees there. Uh, From anyone who's been since the public days happened, uh, apparently it's impossible to work already because too many people. Even before then, like I stopped attending E3. I, I, I essentially boycotted the thing years ago. Um, Mm. And I did that even before it properly opened up to the public. The last year I was there, the final day of E3 was not really open to the public. The public just decided to turn up and go inside. And people were upset about it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't fucking care. Just just let everyone have at it. Um, But I... Even before then, it was ghastly. I'm not a a fan of crowds anyway. But even if I was more crowd-friendly, it's Horrible yes. trying to navigate that place. Another ten thousand on top of that. No, another ten thousand people in there who were not there for work, who were there just to see. Like, those, you're going to be waiting for fucking forever to play anything in that. Yeah, I didn't even bother queuing up when I was at E3 when the lines yeah. were shorter. I consider my time more valuable than getting a month ahead of everyone else to play a video game, any video game. Yeah, uh, and on top of that. Uh, apparently they're planning to only have a single day for media and then the rest of it will just be public facing events so uh yeah but that might fill in that 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 might fill up a day full of the people yeah. who are still brave enough to attend with their private data here's here's the thing like if the doxing hadn't happened you could maybe have a version of e3 where it's a day that is actually there for people who are working and not anyone else and they can get their work done and get out, and maybe that would be fine. But, like, yeah, this E3 is is no longer the thing that, like, that the vision everyone has in their head of people going to do work to go to a press conference, that 
that that vision of E3 is dissolving. It was already it was already dissolved. Even again, even when I was yeah. still there, the whole event's a mess. It's increasingly irrelevant. Most yeah. companies realize they can get their content out quicker and more efficiently by just tweeting about mm. it or doing a live stream now. Well, that that's it. Like you don't need to get people in a room to see your press conference. In July, everyone just live stream your announcements. Do it the yeah. same week as E3, but you don't need to go hire a big fancy building. So it, it makes sense from a business standpoint, I guess, to yeah. try and turn E3 into packs with a, a more established brand yeah. name. Um, basically just another gaming convention. Yeah. Packs, but stuff that's a bit further from release. Yeah. Or packs, but stuff that's just been announced. Packs preview. Yeah. As a news source, it's just not what it was, and it's not worth attending yeah. for that reason. Y- you know what? Like, I don't hate that as a vision for E3 being like public-facing event of go play some stuff that's just been announced that you're all excited for, and it's m- more of a go enjoy a gaming convention together. Yeah. Like maybe there is more place for that than there is for what it once was but let's talk about the bits about these e3 plans that make me want to be sick into a little bag yeah oh god i started to look at these and they made me just feel kind of tired in the worst possible way i i didn't dig too far into this so i'm excited to hear about these specifics so one one of the things they want to do one of the reasons they want to do it this way and to have it be open to the public and have less press there is and in their words um well, they have loose words. I can't remember the exact verbatim statement, but I, I saw it last night and it made me, it just knocked me sick. They want to better control and contain the message. Oh, yes. Okay. So, I mean, E3 was already a bit of, you know, it's basically the industry filating itself, but now it's straight up corporate propaganda. Well, here's the thing like, we were saying this when the news of like press, you know, getting doxxed broke. Like, this is just going to be a shift to like fewer and fewer people who have any desire to be critical of what they consume being there. Like it's, it's, uh... yeah. And then the other thing is cutainment. Uh, entertain people in the queues. Yeah. Longer lines. You've got these, you got 10,000 more people going. Yeah. The lines are longer. People are stuck there with not a lot to do. Blast ads at them. Uh, Control and contain. I'm not uh, saying that this is sinister, God. but it is. Can, can <laughs> I can I tell you a story of what E3 is going to become based on a different convention of a similar nature? Sure um, thing. I went to Gamescom last year, and Gamescom is a convention that is open to the public and has a problem with too many attendees. And this is what E3 is going to become. Um, Fortnite had a booth there where it wasn't to play Fortnite you do a little obstacle course you you know you do your high hang glider from Fortnite and people were queuing there allegedly 8 hours to go do this obstacle course Christ um i don't know the validity <laughs> of this uh, this of what i heard was that someone <laughs> just took a shit on the floor in the middle of the queue <laughs> cuz they were like i i ain't, i ain't leaving my spot in the Fortnite queue i'll um, admit <laughs> I'm going to admit this right now. The one thing that could convince me to go back to E3 would be to take a shit on the convention floor. Do they give specific passes for that? <laughs> so, 
Like, that's the vision I have of E3 now, is you're gonna <laughs> oh. stick people in these big long queues to play games and you're just pissing and shitting everywhere. They're just gonna take a shit on the floor. That's they can E3. contain the message, but they can't contain the excrement. <laughs> Why would you queue for eight hours to go on some half-assed assault course? I mean, couldn't you just find somewhere local to you that would be much better and do it and not have to queue? Yeah, but it wouldn't have the hang glider from Fortnite in it, though, would it? It's the same hang glider. Somebody's just written Fortnite in a post-it note and stuck it on it. It wouldn't look a bit purple and take place next to a bus. (laughs) And if you mention PUBG, they throw you out. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing someone pop a squat in a queue for a Fortnite assault course, though, that is cutainment. <laughs> but, like, E3 2020 is going to be weird in that, like, E3 has fallen apart just in time for, like, the next time we're probably going to see the proper announcement of next-gen consoles. Oh, like, that's a good point. I, I'm not saying it's going to, you know, going to be better or worse. It's going to be very weird to have a generation of new consoles announced that doesn't rely on E3. And, like, I guess it's not completely unheard of. Like, the Switch was announced through, like, a three-minute trailer. Yeah. And I think that I think that, that kind of message has not been lost on the game industry. Yeah. You can announce something like the Switch in a three-minute trailer just shown to the world for the cost of upload, like, making it and uploading it to your YouTube channel. Yeah. You, you can literally go, in four hours' time, there's going to be a three-minute long video and a console will be announced. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm in favour of this. Like, from the standpoint of, first of all, fuck the ESA. Never liked yeah, them. Yeah, fuck the ESA. Bucket of snakes. Never appreciated them whatsoever. Um, and from the standpoint of, I've, for many years, criticised the sheer cost of a company going to E3. Publishers do not need to be spending that much money making big booths with giant replicas of mechs from their games. Do you know who used to spend the most money on their E3 booths? Used to constantly have bespoke costumes made for their games. Giant statues and edifices erected in the honour of their games. They'd take up massive amounts of show floor space. They'd spend... Outside of E3, they'd spend tons of money on flying press out and putting them up in luxury hotels. THQ, and where are they now? Yeah. So I'm in favour of E3 diminishing. Although if it's going to become this big public convention thing, I wonder if some publishers will spend money to attract attention from customers in that regard. Yeah. Um, But in general, I'm not... I just feel like these big fancy E3 press conferences are a waste of money. I... I went to E3, I think, twice, and I'm glad I did. Like, I got to experience it for what it was, and as someone that grew up having it as this sort of, like, magical wonderland of, like, ah, this is where all the video games are, and they're, they're there, and they're there before release, like, it was a it was a thing for childhood me to go, oh, heck, I did that. Mm-hmm. Not a thing I have any desire to go back and do for work. As a person that has a job to do. <laughs> Once I worked out, I could do my job better not being there. Yeah. Because when you're there, you can't see the wood for the trees. But when I'm at home, oh, yeah. in my home office, looking at E3 from a distance, you get a bird's eye view. You you don't have to like come back to the press room after being out there for hours on the show floor yeah. and be told of 15 announcements you missed. Yeah, I, I remember like not being able to get in to see a uh, particular press conference, so trying to use the shitty convention centre Wi-Fi to watch the live stream and not being able to see it and trying to write it up on the same shitty internet that couldn't stream me the news. 
Like, if you're even in the press conference room writing the news up, it's like you have no internet. Why Why are you there to write the news up? Write it up from home. Yeah, I, I realised pretty soon that I, everything I was doing was no different from what I could be doing at home. And at home, I could be doing it sitting around in my underpants, which they frown on at E3. Yeah. It just seems utterly pointless. I mean, communication has changed to the extent now we're actually travelling bloody miles and sitting in a big room full of noise and other people. It's literally harder to do your job, isn't it? It's inefficient, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not the era where it's... Like, it made sense, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Everyone, sit around and make notes in your physical notebook about what the man on the stage is saying and go home and write about it later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The only reason to attend is to to go to the part the parties the post show parties, yeah. and I don't want to be around those people. That's fair. If you were writing for a magazine in the '90s, you had uh, lead times and stuff, so you know you could go back, think about it, write about it. Then it would be in the magazine when it was published. Blah blah blah. Now, if it's not instant, you're fucked, son. You've yeah. got about yeah. eight seconds to post something before everybody else has. Yeah. E3 2020 is going to be a weird spectacle. Well, I'm going to continue my plan to not go, and I'm going to continue not going until such time as I'm not there. Yeah. And that's pretty much going to sum it up for me, I think. I wholeheartedly back that policy. Yeah. I mean, I come from the city where they held the finest video game event in history, Fortnite Live. (laughs) So, you know... Everything's uh, going to look disappointing next to that. Yeah, and I've got Mississippi Comic Con, a yearly tradition. Oh, is it good? Is it not? Is I it? met Mick Foley there last time. They actually oh, get well, some pretty then. impressive guests. Yeah. <laughs> if you meet Mick Foley anywhere, it's a good event. Absolutely. Even if you're just in a news agency. They had Mick Foley. They had Ric Flair. They had Ed Furlong. Oh. And I resist. Oh. I resisted going up to Ed Furlong because I knew I would like upset him. Because I would say I loved your work in Pet Cemetery 2 and Brain Scan, and he'd think I was taking the piss. And in a way, yeah, I would be. But I also <laughs> genuinely appreciate those films more than Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Perhaps he'd like somebody to recognise in work in those, but it, it is hard to not make it. Hey, so. Ed Furlong, do you remember that album you released in Japan? I still <laughs> listen to it sometimes. Love your cover of People Are Strange. <laughs> now sign my copy of The Crow Wicked Prayer, please. <laughs> I couldn't go up to him. I knew I'd do something like that. Did, did he play that yellow bastard in Sin City? Was that Ed Furlong? I'm trying I to remember. I don't think that. so. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure I'd have heard about it as president of the Ed Furlong fan club. <laughs> That's going to annoy me. Now. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, here's my clacky keyboard. Wait for it. Clacking away there. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's Nick Stahl, the the other John Connor. Pfft. Uh, the inferior John Connor. The John Connor of who we do not speak. He's playing John Connor again, isn't he, old Ed Furlong? Is he? They're bringing him back for the as part of their constant attempts to try and make people care about Terminator. Their <laughs> next gimmick is bringing back Ed Furlong as John Connor. Bloody hell. I didn't know if he was acting anymore. I thought he'd sort of fallen off the rails and was, yeah. I don't know, eating furniture or something. I <laughs> hope that's how they do John Connor, though. Like, if they portray John Connor as fallen off the rails eating furniture just like washed up and tired that i might be interested in living somewhere with macaulay culkin <laughs> 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 oh 
that's uh, yeah sparked a bit of interest for me, but uh, those yeah, I've not seen the last two Terminator films, and I don't really ever plan to. That's all they hope oh. for these days is just to spark a bit of interest. It's, yeah, it's the best they can go for, as they throw hundreds of millions of dollars at it. Yeah. Their tie-ins with the game industry are like embarrassing. Multiple games have had tie-ins with this. Was it Terminator Dark Fate? Um, multiple games like Gears of War has Sarah Connor and the Terminator as playable characters. Whoa. Some other game has like a pre-order bonus thing with Terminator, which I love the fact they're all like pre-order bonuses or special edition bonuses. You're paying extra money for an advertisement for a film. <laughs> Can I have Coca-Cola written on their forehead for an extra tenner? I mean, these companies are ingenious. Bloody hell. Uh, is that a good place for us to start wrapping up for this week? I think so. We done, we done did it a show. We done a show. It's all good. I've got more work to be cracking on with. It wasn't in that BBC report, by the way, listeners. Sorry about that. I shouldn't Aww. have even brought it up. I shouldn't have even brought it up. Bloody old media. It's Do only the- me. It's only the one who's been banging on about video game monetization for over 10 years, who, now that it's become fashionable, people have stopped giving me snide shit, but they all say it because it's popular now. But when it wasn't fashionable, oh, I was the one who had to eat shit. Me, the uh, Cassandra of video games. I'm not bitter about any of this, by the way. I'm just saying that it would have been nice <laughs> to have gotten at least a little bit of recognition outside of my own sphere of work, rather than see people take my talking points and be way more successful with them these days. It would have been nice to have been seen and acknowledged just once just once but not enough time not enough time for the one who could credibly be called an expert in these matters not no time for me no room at the inn laura no room at the inn <laughs> i did feel really bad the other day i got called up by the bbc to basically say hey i used to watch pokemon pokemon was a good show ash won a tournament finally like nothing that like any fucking other person could have talked about it took me like two fucking minutes that made it to air on the pvc that made it to air yeah that made it to air yeah there's room at the inn for laura i wasn't wasn't gonna say no to them because the bbc do pay so like i ain't gonna say no but there was room for me for me at the inn not for jim though they can fucking make it up to me by giving me a role in eastenders i will play a gangster do they still do gangsters (laughs) I haven't watched it since the early 2000s. Oh, they've all got gangsters in now. Emmerdale oh, is mostly gangsters. Hollyoaks is gangsters. Brilliant. The News is mostly gangsters. Uh, good stuff. You know that uh, test card where there's like a child and a clown puppet? They're both gangsters now. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's holding a clown up to the... Uh, I was going to say she's holding a clown up to the gun's head. I trod all over that <laughs> one. That's why the BBC <laughs> won't have me on. Chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> I went on Newsnight to talk about unboxing. They tried to imply I was a pornographer. So um, <laughs> that's always nice. God. Do, do you want to tell this story? It's long and it's dull. Oh, absolutely. We can close on yeah, that. Yeah, I want to hear this story now. Yeah. It's, it's So in the shortest possible terms, um, they were putting unboxing in the dictionary and wanted somebody to talk about unboxing. And as the only YouTuber old enough to remember the clangers, I was told to... Uh, you know, oh, um, can you come on Newsnight and talk about it? I'm like, yes, yes, I can. We'll beam you in live from Norwich sort of thing under the uh, magical uh, camera doohickeys. I'm like, yep, fine, marvellous. So I put on a shirt and went down and sat in the uh, chair in a little dark room, you know, and they green screen a background in all that sort of stuff the first warning sign was that they didn't tell me to look very closely at the camera because the way these cameras work is you have to kind of maintain eye contact with them constantly and if you look away even slightly you look like a total space cadet rolling your eyes around and going oh i like things you know they should warn you of that they didn't 
I already knew, but, you know, it's the principle. So, uh-oh, is this going to be... Then the um, chap comes in my ear. What times we have. Now, um, yeah, the little earpiece you've got in. And he could see me, but I couldn't see him. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, this isn't going to be one of those, is it? This is getting weirdly one-sided for what should just be explaining what a word means, you know. It was the guy, I think, who presents Dragon's Den, the one with the big ears who looks a bit like a homunculus made out of Play-Doh. So, yeah, Play-Doh homunculus starts talking, and it's all perfectly normal. We unboxing, basically. It's a video. We open a box, show people what's in it. Maybe they want to buy it. Then they know what's in it if they buy it. It's not difficult, you know. And he says, uh, so there's something a bit porny about this, isn't there? And and this throws me, and I'm like... Sorry, what you mean, like pawn shops? He says, "Well, what do you think?" And I'm like, "Well, what do you mean? What do I think? You said it. It's in your brain, mate. But obviously, you can't say that because they can edit it to make you look like um, super Hitler's cousin or something, you know." Sure. So, and then like uh, talking around, said, "Well, I'm not, you know, really sure what you mean by that." And it threw him slightly, and he said, "Oh, well, my producer said," and I knew the producer's name, so I dropped the producer's name in and said, well, "I don't know, you know, what floats so and so's boat." And Always a good idea dropping producers' names. They will never air that. Yeah. Um, so I managed to get them off that topic. And then later, he, he comes in and says, um, some of these are sort of uh, to do with ASMR, aren't they? And I'm like, ooh, don't really know much about that. You know, autosensory meridian response or something? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm aware this exists. He says, yeah, because people say that's like a brain orgasm. I'm like, oh, my oh, God, God, are you bringing it around to sex again? It's just talking about what's in a pissing box that you buy in the shops to see if you want to buy it, mate. It was the weirdest thing. And I managed to get them all sort of back on track. And we talked for like 10 minutes and they used like 30 seconds. Weirdly edited at me in the middle. So I laugh at nothing like some sort of lunatic. Um, but I think I kind of dodged a bullet there. It was just the strangest thing. It can be a strange thing dealing with the BBC. <laughs> yeah, they're just so sort of sex obsessed. Which for a news programme about unboxing didn't yeah. quite fit my, my, my thing with the bbc is they've got a piece of paper somewhere that says i know about Fortnite. so whenever a Fortnite story has, <laughs> happens i get like 40 different calls from different parts <laughs> of the bbc asking me to give unique individual sound bites about what Fortnite is like i made a fucking killing when the Fortnite world cup happened literally not talking about the world cup just going Fortnite is a game where a hundred people are dropped into a map and only the last one left is the winner and people like it because it's quite tough to win so you don't feel bad if you lose because most people lose because there's a hundred people and only one wins and I just did that like 40 times (laughs) for different bits of the BBC they didn't want to use the audio I'd already said on different bits of the BBC they wanted me to say it again (laughs) they asked if they could keep my details for stuff about business this business side of games so i've yeah i've decided i'm just gonna call myself a special bbc correspondent nice i gotta get gotta get mine somehow for the time i bloody wasted <laughs> they said to me if they ever see me again they would slash me across the face with a stanley knife which, uh, <laughs> but i think that's standard policy to be fair so i didn't take it personally. <laughs> yeah should we should we should we finish oh, up all we, right are we are we done are we done it let us do it ashens Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, absolute pleasure. I was looking forward to this. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was fun. Nice to speak to you. Wonderful. You've been a wonderful guest. If you could tell our listeners where they could find you and, yeah. Certainly. Just uh, Google Ashens. A-S-H-E-N-S. One word, like Madonna. That's a joke I stole from Inspector Gadget <laughs> film. Don't don't wow. forget the S off the end, because then you'll get that, that Dark Soulsy game, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, apparently that's quite good, though, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, There was a game for Engage called Ashen as well, first-person yeah. shooter. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Uh, who cares? In Dark Souls 3, you're called the Ashen One. That is true, which is was very weird when I was playing it, because it kind of sounded like they were saying my actual surname. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Mm. It, it, that's a fourth wall I don't want broken. <laughs> this is why I won't watch Leverage, because there's a character in it apparently called Jim Sterling, and I don't need to be freaked out. Oh, yeah. that's that's too specific. There's, there's a yeah. character called Jim Sterling, and my dad wrote a porno as well. Uh, people always bring that up to me. Yeah, I've heard about it, listeners. If anyone wants to let me know, I know about it. And also the the in-universe Darkwing Duck show in the new DuckTales, apparently the, the character is played by Jim Sterling. Ah, uh, yes. And I, I get that brought up a fair bit too. Nah, the, I, I keep getting told that I share a name with someone who's in just like really trashy, terrible films. Uh, Robo Shark has a Laura Dale in it. <laughs> oh, oh, good. That, that sounds wonderful, but probably is dull. <laughs> uh... I look quite like Simon Pegg, so feel free to point that out, everyone, for the rest of my fucking life. Absolutely. That'd be great. Thanks. Hey, yeah. hey, you look like Simon Just Pegg. Just point, point at him and go, Simon Pegg. Point. Yeah, a bit of jeering and waving of arms as well. Yep, that's amazing. Why not throw a few things? See, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Write Simon Pegg on a brick and hurl it at him in the street. People do that in the UK. It's one of the things that I don't miss, having things <laughs> lobbed at me. Stones uh, from moving cars. cars yeah. It's why you can buy these armoured umbrellas. I get through so many of them. Mm-hmm. And to Laura, if you Me. could let, let the listeners know of your whereabouts on the internet. Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. LauraKBuzz.com. That is where I post all of the stuff. I've got some books. Uncomfortable Labels. That is a book that's about being trans and on the autism spectrum. It's out now in places where books are or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. And then there is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is going to release like sometime soon that I've spent multiple days just going through edits on this week. I still laugh every time I hear the name. And I wrote a yeah. bit for it and I still laugh. <laughs> I... I, I while I've been doing this edit pass, I keep just opening my my uh, folder where I've got all the images of butts that I commissioned. I'm like, <laughs> I paid someone like five grand for this folder full of butt art, and I'm so happy at that 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 that's a thing that happened. I imagine there's like a butt art studio, and they just sit there quiet most of the days. Then when your job came in, it was like the Ghostbusters when they had a job, and somebody just rang a bell, and all the artists and you laughed at me, Martha. Poles. You laughed at me when I said I was going to open the world's first butt art studio. Well, who's yeah. laughing now? It's, Not it's me. Laura, woman's putting our kids through college. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't. Ha- have I shown you the bit of art for your words you put in the book yet? No, you haven't, actually. Oh, I'll send that to you when we finish up the episode. Oh, I'm looking forward it's to that. It's a good bit of art. <laughs> or Bart, as we're going to call it for sure. It's a good Absolutely. bit of art. As for myself, yeah, um, this past Friday night, I appeared at Pro South Wrestling um, at their Piedmont, Alabama show, at their Battle Rumble, where I took part in it. Despite the fact that I heavily promoted their live stream, the moment I was done, I still had people saying, is there a video? Well, there was. It was live. Um, but you can check that out on the Pro South Wrestling YouTube channel. Um, just look. My, my wrestling name, just Sterling, is in the title of that video. Uh, so look for the Battle Rumble Sterling on the Pro South Wrestling YouTube channel. I will be coming back to Piedmont, Alabama for... Well, after what happened that night, I have cause to defend my championship so i will be doing that and what else we got going on 
I think this Saturday we've got Pro Wrestling Ego in Jackson. Uh, so I'll be there as well if anyone wants to come down watch that. Uh, and other than that, we we you know we had Jimquisition on Monday. Check that out. Please keep sharing that. We had a little uptick on the channel after uh, a really bad summer. So hopefully, hopefully views will be nice. And you will not see me on the BBC because there was no room at the inn. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your continued support. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.